Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are doing well. Um, my name is Dean. I'm the lead pastor here. If today is uh, day one for you, we're thrilled that you've taken the opportunity to be with us today. Um, as our guest, um, the only thing that we would really ask for from you is really something I think is for you. If you would go ahead and take your smartphone out right now, um, you can uh, open up your camera app and aim it at one of the QR codes on one of the chairs in front of you, or type in lpguest.com into the web browser on your phone. Those two things go to the same place. Now I ask you to do that for two reasons. One is that as we go through the message, there are message notes that are available there. Um, you can type in your own notes as you go so that uh, whenever you're done, you can just email those to yourself. And if God's speaking something into your life today, um, you'll have a record and a reminder of those things. The second thing uh, we call the kindness option. There's a guest card that's available there. It'll take you less than a minute to fill that digital guest card out. And if you'll do that, um, there are five ministries listed at the bottom there. You choose the one that's closest um, to you. We'll make an additional $5 donation uh, to that ministry in your honor. Again, just to give you the opportunity to do something, <clears throat> excuse me, kind by um, letting us know that you're here uh, with us today. We are beginning a brand new series today um, called Kingdom Values. By the way, coming out of the last series uh, that Neil mentioned earlier, the Ordinary People series, we had over 150 people here at Lewis Center sign up to take a step towards serving. So that's uh, worth celebrating, I think. <clears throat> so thank you. Uh, thank you for doing that. There are life teams orientations going on today during this service. And during the next service, uh, if you'd like to be uh, part of one of those, just check out Guest Central uh, whenever we're done. But the series that we're starting today is called Kingdom Values, right? We just sang a song, All Praise King Jesus. And so the, the big idea for this series is that um, living for the kingdom means giving towards the things that, that matter. And so throughout this series, we're gonna talk about our vision that we believe God has given us for our church um, over, uh, over the next year or so. But when we talk about those two words, let's break them down, kingdom and values. Uh, so first kingdom. So um, God forbid if something were to happen to you and you were to realize or to be told you've only got um, 30 days or 40 days um, to live. Um, I don't know what you would talk about exactly but I do know that you would talk about the things that matter most to you, right? That's why we talk about famous last words. And so one of the blessings that we have um, as, as believers, uh, as people who are on this faith journey towards Christ, is that we have the blessing of knowing what Jesus talked about during his last final uh, days here on earth. If you look at the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, verse three, um, it, says, uh, it says this, um, he, he, Jesus, presented himself alive to them uh, after suffering many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom uh, of God. So the thing that Jesus talked about over the last 40 days, right before he left here, went back, um, went back to heaven. The thing that he wanted to emphasize was kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Now, what even is the kingdom? Uh, of God. I would define it this way. It's God's eternal spiritual ruling authority over everything. God's eternal spiritual ruling authority over all things. What does that mean? That means that God is, um, he is king. He is ruling, shepherding everything that happens to us, good and bad. You heard Alex say it uh, this morning from Keys. Right? There are moments in our lives where we have surgeries. There are moments in our lives where we, um, we lose people, we lose our pets, things that are meaningful to us. In the good moments and the bad moments, God is shepherding everything towards his eternal 
uh, his eternal rule, his eternal purposes. That's, that's the kingdom. Now, it's not just Jesus that emphasized the kingdom. If you look at the end uh, of the book of Acts, Acts chapter um, 28, you get to the end there, verses 30 and 31. <clears throat> it says this, speaking about uh, the apostle Paul. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and with, uh, without hindrance. So in the last 40 days of Jesus's life, it's kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived, Paul. This is St. Paul, Apostle Paul, if you're familiar with him. The last known references we have to his life, he's waiting to go on a trial in Rome. Everyone who comes to him, he says, hey, let's talk about the kingdom. Have you heard about the kingdom? Let me tell you, let me tell you about the kingdom. And so every kingdom, every kingdom that you and I know of in world history, whether that's King Arthur's Camelot, whether that's Alexander the Great's kingdom, every kingdom then has certain values. And so we're talking about what are the values of living underneath this idea that Jesus has this kingdom that's here now, right? It's eternal. That's not just pie in the sky, by and by in the future, that's now. So the fact, in light of the fact that God is now ruling, over everything, shepherding everything towards his eternal purposes. What are the things uh, that we should value? And in the longest discourse that we have from the life of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, we are gonna look at today a paragraph where Jesus talks to us, teaches us about the values of the kingdom. So Matthew chapter six, if you got a copy of scripture and you wanna turn over there, we'll start looking at our text for today in verse 19. Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth uh, and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks to us a little bit about wealth management. Now they didn't have you know, banks like we do in their world uh, per se. Their wealth was tied up in tangible things that they had. What kind of tangible things are those? Blankets, robes, right? Things that could keep you warm uh, during the colder months. Things that moths could eat, that, that mice could come in and bed down in and, and chew in in the colder months um, as well. Their wealth was tied up in tools and iron tools that they could use to farm, to provide uh, food for their family. Things that could rust or could corrode or thieves could come in um, and thieves could steal. So Jesus addresses this idea of wealth management. And look, I know as soon as we start to talk about that, right, in a church setting, it's a very sensitive topic uh, for uh, probably for, for all of us to some degree. Uh, throughout the past probably three decades or so, there have been an, a list of nationally recognizable spiritual leaders who um, have acted fraudulently whenever it comes to finances and resources. And as a church, I think we never want people to leave here and go, man, that church, they, they, just, they, just want my, they just want my money because it's not true. We want you to know God and to be known by him. The way that we say it here is to draw life from God. That's the word life in our name and to point others to him. The word point, you bring those two things together and that's our vision, that's what we, that's what we want for you. So that's one side of the coin. But the other side of the coin is, is also true, that there's a reason that Jesus talked about resources, financial resources, more than anything else in the gospels. It's because it's one of the primary idols of our hearts. One of the things that we struggle and deal with 
um, the most. And so Jesus addresses this more so really than he addresses, um, than he addresses anything else. So, so I wanna be clear, money is not fundamentally bad. What Jesus is gonna say is it just makes a bad God. Money's, money's not fundamentally bad, but it, but it does make a bad God. And it's, it's part of the reality, the revelation of, of our hearts and of, of our lives and, and just our culture. Think about our sayings, follow the money, show me the money, money talks. Like it is primary and it's not just for us, it's across all cultures um, and across, across all times. So it's important that we remind ourselves this is not just an issue for what we would consider to be you know, uber wealthy people, which we all are, by the way, if you earn more than $30,000 a year, you're, you're the top 5% of earners globally in the, in the world. But it's not just, a, Jesus talked to people who were taxed at a rate of 80%. They were some of the most under-resourced people in the world. The issue that Jesus is gonna teach us and talk to us about is generosity. So he says, here's what you don't do. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but what, what do you do? Here's what he says in, in verse 20, but store up or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin or mice, little, little, uh, <clears throat> little animals cannot destroy and where thieves do not uh, break in and steal. Eternity, what Jesus is saying is that eternity is the most secure investment that you and I will ever make, which is kind of odd coming from a man who died with nothing right? But at the same time, he points us towards an eternal, eternal direction. And, and I, again, this second point here, I want to be clear about the Bible's not anti-savings. The Bible's not anti-strategy. The Bible's not anti-investing even. Um, I'll give you a verse from Proverbs chapter six, verses six through eight. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise without having any chief officer or ruler. She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food um, in the harvest. We learn from the ant, right? The wisest person who ever lives. He said, we, we learn a lot from the ant, gathers up in summer to be ready to be, to be prepared. It's not anti-savings, anti-investment, anti-planning, anti-strategy, but rather what Jesus, I think, um, is saying to us that, you know, the Bible is gonna teach us things like, Living in your, uh, in, inside of your means, very important. Saving, very wise. But in all of that, we can do three things. We can live appropriately, we can save wisely, and we can give generously. Live appropriately, save wisely, and give generously. I want you to imagine a kind of life for yourself where underneath an appropriate uh, banner, of what the Bible would offer us as financial wisdom, that you get to look forward to a future where you have vehicles that are paid off, where you have a home that's paid off early and you can be wildly generous with the resources that God gives you. What a joyful, fun life it would be to support kingdom uh, initiatives in a way that you're open and free-handed the Bible advocates for that. It's gonna tell us, Jesus is gonna tell that's the best kind of life. Can you imagine that for yourself? Here's how Jesus, as he starts to uh, summarize this passage and round it out in verse 21, he, get, he says this, for where your treasure is, 
there, um, your heart will be also. All of us are gonna struggle um, in some ways to have something that satisfies our heart that is less than the greatest thing. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where, that's where your heart is. Whatever has your focused attention, that's what, has, that's what has your heart. Whatever has your attention has your passion. And most of us are gonna be in a range in that, right? For overspenders, it's gonna be pleasure. For oversavers, that's gonna be security, right? We wanna we have more and more. So we've got that secure thing out there in the future. Jesus says generosity is John 10, 10. It's abundant, full life. It's God giving to us resources that we then steward well and joyfully. It's the best kind of life uh, that's available uh, to us. So here's how he finishes this paragraph in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters for he will either hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God um, and money. Jesus says, serving two masters is a monster. He says, you can't, have, you can't have two leaders in your life. It's an either or scenario. And that comes in a lot of ways. For, I mean, we're, we're all, like I said, we're gonna try and satisfy our hearts with something less than God. Maybe for you, that's romance. Maybe for you, it's... Uh, um, accolades at work, but for a lot of us, it is a struggle with, um, with our financial resources. So Jesus says, look, when it comes down to it, you really do, you have to choose, you have to choose who your master is because you and I are gonna wanna satisfy our hearts with something less than the greatest thing. Um, I don't know if you had the opportunity to be here last uh, Sunday afternoon or not at Trunktober. Um, we had, I don't know how many thousand people that came through Trunktober with kids. And uh, man, it was, it was incredible. Thanks to all of you who volunteered and worked so hard uh, to make that happen. But Angie and I, we did, um, we did a, well, kind of a trunk. Um, I brought my, my red pickup truck, my 1998 uh, red pickup truck. So I, I got here early and I pulled in my spot. We put the tailgate down. Angie was a little worried about decorating. I'm like, don't worry about decorating. It's my truck. I mean, that's, it's, it's its own decoration, right? So we literally uh, were sitting on the tailgate of my truck with a couple of pumpkins and a couple of mums. Like that was our decorated. Well, then in beside, us on one side, Pat and Tanya uh, pull in. He's got a classic 1960s Mustang GTO, and they had this whole 50s sock hop theme, you know, going on on that side of us. And then uh, Phil and Kristen pull in on the other side of us, and they open up the trunk of their car, and they've got the whole trunk decorated like Middle Earth from Lord of the Rings. It was amazing. They had music going on from Lord of the Rings, right? Um, uh, Kristen was just up like Galadriel with the pointy ears, right? Phil had the Gandalf mask on, the wizard hat. And every kid that would walk up, they would look at the kids and they would go, welcome to the Shire. And the kids would get their candy and then they would turn and come over towards us. And I'd be like, welcome to my country Cadillac. I don't know what to tell you. Here, here's your candy, kid. Get on, get on, move, move on, right? But I was thinking about uh, this in relation to Lord of the Rings. You know, that the, the idea behind uh, Tolkien's writing there is that there's this ring of power and that anyone who comes in contact with the ring falls underneath its control, falls underneath the spell of the ring. 
And there's one of the characters, if you remember either the books or the movies, that you've seen is Gollum, right? And Gollum is, is just clamoring for the ring all the time. And he calls it, you, you know it, right? You're good, you're good. The precious, right? You know, something in your life is gonna be the precious. There's something in your life that you say, if I have that thing, I'm okay, everything's all right. But here's what Jesus says, you can't have two of those things, the only one. So what we're gonna do as we move forward in this series is um, I'm gonna do my best um, starting next week, more so than this week, to lay out what we see and sense is our vision for expanding the kingdom of God through our church, locally um, and globally. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Um, the last couple of weeks of the series, I'm gonna ask you to fill out a card and tell us what your um, financial generous dream is in concert with partnering for our church over the next, over the next year. I'm gonna ask you to say, hey, prayerfully, this is what we see in our life and our finances moving forward. And this is what we believe that God is gonna partner with us and help us to give towards, uh, to give towards this vision. Now, if you've been around since um, July, you remember that in July, um, I shared with, uh, with our church that, um, that we were about 3% or so behind budgeted giving, which tuned into about $80,000 or so at that point in the year. And um, when I found that out, I said to our financial director, Martha Huff, I said, Martha, can you dig into this and just, and just let us know what's, what's going on? And part of what was going on is that um, we had 26 families who were a year prior, were financially connected here at Lewis Center, our campus giving. But over the course of a year, they had started going to other campuses, right? They'd started going to uh, the Plain City campus or the Marion campus, the two campuses we launched uh, last year um, or whatnot. So they had left a little bit of a financial shortfall here. Now we love that. That's part of our multiplying vision, right? To grow people up and to send them for the sake of the kingdom. But it means that those of us who are still here, we have to continue to grow in discipleship. And part of that is growing in, in generosity. Um, I ask you uh, prayerfully, right? Martha had shared with me that about 45% of the people who were attending um, at that point had not given this year. So I ask you, if you were not giving financially, partnering with us to make a difference in kingdom values and kingdom life to prayerfully take a step towards moving forward. Man, so, so I'm so encouraged. So July, August, September, we're now in October. And since then, 60 families who were not previously uh, participating financially have taken a generosity step of discipleship um, and have begun participating and financially um, we've caught up and now we're just a little bit even um, ahead of budgeted giving. So that is something that I'm super grateful for and you can celebrate um, that. We're very, very grateful for those of you who've taken that step. And I also wanna say to those of you, uh, some of you 
Um, you know, as we talk about a vision series, you're like, oh man, uh, I was here when we did the move series five years ago, right? To take the vision step to buy the property that we're on today. And I was here through two and a half years ago when we did the build series, right? To raise the resources to begin this project, to build this facility. Uh, and listen, we're not trying to wring you out like a washcloth, right? We're not trying to, man, take a step, take a step, take a step. For some of you, I'm just gonna ask you to do some math, right? And fill this card out and say, man, this is what God has done in our lives. And this is what we prayerfully see God being able to do in our lives um, over the next year. But I cannot tell you how excited I am about the vision that I think God is giving us moving forward um, into the next year and how grateful I am, our staff team is, our church is um, at large for the ways that you are seeking to live in generosity. And you say, well, Dean, um, man, I'm here today. I'm new or Dean, I'm, I'm here I'm not a Christian, like why would I even consider doing, um, doing something like this? Here's how Jesus rounds out this text in, um, in Matthew uh, chapter six. Um, he says, seek first his kingdom and then um, all these things will be added uh, to you. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And you say, well, that's easy for Jesus to say. Because Jesus didn't have, I mean, Jesus didn't have a lot of resources, right? But he did. Philippians chapter two says that Jesus set aside the glory, the eternal glory, the wealth, the reward, all of that of heaven to leave heaven and come to earth, to be stripped naked, mocked, spit on, beaten and crucified in your place for your sins and for my sins. And we all needed that salvation that could only be provided in the person of Christ. So Jesus, what he does, Jesus set aside his eternal treasure in heaven so that he could make you and me his treasure. Jesus said, if I have them, if I have Mark, if I have Ashley, if I have Stephanie, if I have them, then the cross is worth it. See, Jesus treasured us. He set aside his treasure so that we could and would become his treasure. Here's how 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says it um, in the New Testament. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, eternally rich, Yet for your sake, your sake, my sake, he became poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. Jesus offers us the opportunity to live a blessed life, a joyful, generous life. It's the best thing. It's, it's the life that is available. And in reality, it's the life that you and I want. Um, one of our... Um, one of our children is making college visits right now, looking at what schools to attend next year. And uh, so she uh, wanted to visit a school in Virginia. So um, I, a couple of months ago, we talked about when she was gonna go, we wanna go make this visit and do all this. And I noticed that the, uh, the roads taking us to Virginia, the highways, were gonna take us through a place that I'd always, always wanted to visit in White Sulphur Springs, uh, West Virginia. So we were able to, uh, to stop in there uh, this week, Angie and I were, and it's a place called the Greenbrier. 
it's a resort that's got an over 100 year old history um, and connection. It's changed a lot over the years. Um, now they, they, 10, 11 years ago, they built a casino, right? So they got a casino now at the Greenbrier, man. It was hard to keep Angie out of there. <laughs> take the whole, she wanted to take the church savings and put it on the roulette wheel. But God's perfect number seven, right? We're gonna... I don't think God's gonna allow me into heaven. I, don't, I really don't think he's gonna. So the reason that I've always wanted to visit the Greenbrier, I don't know how much you know about its history, but um, back in 1959, President Eisenhower visited the president then of the, of the Greenbrier Resort and he proposed an idea that at the Greenbrier Resort, the United States government would build a 116,000 square foot secret a fallout nuclear bunker that would house Congress during the Cold War if the Russians ever fired missiles at us. I'll show you the artist's rendering uh, up here of what the bunker, the, the Greenbrier, they agreed. And over the next three years from 59 to 62, they built underneath the West Virginia wing, which was up on the, up on the surface, but they built 116,000 square, it took 50,000 tons of concrete to build this bunker that would protect Congress. So what would have happened had the Russians fired uh, missiles at us, which the bunker was commissioned in 62, which was when um, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, so the most exciting year was the year number one. So what would, if, if the Russians would have fired a missile at us, all of Congress, House, Senate would have gotten on a train in Washington, D.C., made a five-hour train ride to you know, White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, and they all would have gotten in to this bunker. Now, 50,000 people a year now tour uh, the bunker. And I'll just say that everything that you and I watched on Get Smart, if you've seen the movie, or if you used to watch it, everything's, it's true. It's all real. It's all in this, but they had phones that they could carry around. They had all these little gadgets. It's amazing what you can, what you can tour around and what you can see. So all of the congressmen and women, they would have come into the bunker um, and they would have, uh, they would have walked through, um, uh, the, well, first the bunker doors. And I'll show you another couple of, of pictures that um, uh, they had to hide them behind walls so nobody would, nobody would. Now the, the local people who lived there, they knew something was up. Like 50,000 tons of concrete, like, you know, in a basement, like that doesn't, <laughs> so they knew, you know, there were trees that were actually vents. So if you walked around at night, you would see, you know, steam coming out of trees and stuff like that. They knew, they had heard something was, something was up. But all the congressmen and women, when they arrived, they would have filed in in a single file line. They would have stripped down naked, all their clothes incinerated, and they would have had to wash, walk through these spray washers, right? To wash off any radiation. And, you know, in a moment of, you know, national security, that's not that big of a, that's not that big of a deal. But there were, at that time, 20 female Congress, uh, Congresswomen at that time. And so our guide who was taking us on the tour, I thought made a great comment. She said, you know, that really wouldn't have been that big a deal. I mean, there are national crisis in a moment like that. But she said, you know, if that were to happen, something like that were to happen today, uh, she said, you know, you could just imagine, you know, Mitch McConnell in line right behind Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> which I thought was funny, but then I couldn't get the image out of my head. <laughs> So you tour around, right? You tour around the bunker and you see all this stuff. But the most interesting part to me, if you're not already thinking this, is, well, Dean, if this is a secret military bunker, 
Why are 50,000 people a year walking around in it? And the answer is that when the Cold War started to end in 89, the, the fall of the wall and all that, so there was a reporter for the Washington Post magazine, a guy named Ted Gupp, that heard rumors about the bunker. So he started working on a story. It took him two years to get it done. But in 1992, on a Saturday in April, he was going to release this story and expose the bunker. So um, the government knew this was coming. So on Friday before Saturday, they gathered up all of the Greenbrier employees in a room and they put a videotape in from the, from the government and um, this guy gets up behind an official table, the official seal of the United States. We get to, you get to watch the video on the tour. And uh, he looks out at everyone, you know, via VCR uh, tape. And he says, for 30 years, from 1962 to 1992, he said, the Greenbrier Resort has had a very unique relationship with the United States government. If you are watching this video, that relationship has now become exposed and is public. We want to say a great, uh, he said, we, we owe the Greenbrier and its employees a great debt of, of gratitude and the whispers and the rumors that you have heard of a secret bunker underneath the Greenbrier are all true. It was so cool to get to watch that history. But you know what it made me think? that if Jesus's encouragement to us in the Sermon on the Mount, if that's reality, if Jesus really went to the cross, if, if he was really stripped naked, beaten, spit upon, died, crucified in our place, if he was really resurrected on the third day, you know what that means? That means for you and me that there's a king and he's ruling over an eternal kingdom and the kingdom is, is here, it's now. It's why we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, not something out in the future, but it's right now. And you know what that means? That means that all your hopes and all your dreams, all the things that you wish for and long for, all the things that you are looking forward to and that I am looking forward to, all the whispers and rumors of another time and another place, all of the people that you that have gone before you, that have died in Christ, that you have loved, that you wanna see someday and you look forward to seeing someday, there's gonna come a moment when you and I hear it's all true, that your faith and my faith is gonna become sight. It's not just smoke coming out of a smokestack that we see every now and then. It's not just the evidence here and there. What we say we believe will become a kingdom reality. And you and I, for eternity, will sing the praises of an eternal, ruling, perfect king. So what? So where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You can't have two masters. You and I have to choose. All hail King Jesus. Glory to God forever. Let's pray.
God, thank you for this vision for the kingdom that you have so graciously given to us. It's your cross, but it's my freedom. They were your stripes, but God, it's my healing. And so God, as we look at this idea of vision, we want to start from this place of gratitude that everything we have comes from you and your hands. That God, it's not mine, it's not my money, it's not my house, it's not my car. Those are your resources that you've given to me and to us. God, you, you, are the precious. You are the thing that is worth everything. Thank you, God, for the way, for the way that you love us, for the way that you care for us, for the way, God, that you have, um, that you have died, paid the price for us turn our hearts towards you today. It's in your name. Amen.